Entrepreneur on Fire 577. What are you waiting for? Tickets to a rocket ship? Well, here you go and hang on tight as John Lee Dumas is about to take you on a wild ride. Ignite. Whether your crowdfunding campaign is creative, cause-related, or entrepreneurial, Indiegogo is the platform for you. Visit fire.indiegogo.com and you'll get a 25% discount on fees. That's fire.indiegogo.com. If you're starting a business or forming an LLC, LegalZoom will help take care of all the details. LegalZoom is not a law firm, but provides self-help services at your specific direction. Enter code FIRE for a $10 savings at LegalZoom. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Michael Wolf. Michael, are you prepared to ignite? Let's rock and roll, man. Yes. Michael has helped start three multi-million dollar paid content businesses in his career, consulted to numerous Fortune 500 companies on product and market strategy, and is the host of the Next Market Podcast. He's also the proprietor of a new technology podcast hub for lovers of technology podcasts, technology.fm. Given our listeners just a little overview, Michael, so take a minute. Tell us about you personally, because we want to get to know you. Then give us an overview of your business. I'm a technology analyst by training. And a lot of people don't know what that means. They see this word analyst uh, in the news, people giving quotes in the press, and they don't know what it is. Well, I make a living analyzing technology changes and and how that impacts and, and disrupts 100-year-old businesses. I love watching traditional industries get blown up and dissolve <laughs> essentially to sand, be it you know the TV industry, uh, book publishing, uh, or, or, or you name it. And so that's really kind of what I do. That's what I made a living at. And that's resulted in me creating content businesses around that and, and within them. So I, you know, I've, I've watched things like a, a book imprint. Uh, I've also helped create, you know, paid content businesses at tech blogs where, you know, those are disrupting the newspaper business. So uh, I guess I'm, I'm an operator as well as a content creator in, in that space. And now technology.fm. Yeah, you know, I really kind of like to go to the media, the lab and exp- kind of experiment and pour little, pour experiments into little vials. And, you know, my newest <laughs> one, my newest one is. Uh, technology.fm. You know, I, I, I love technology podcasts, John. I love podcasts in general. Um, I have a couple myself. And, and so I, I thought I would find some of the great ones out there and put them on a, a central site for people to discover at technology.fm, include some of my own on there. And, and it's been a lot of fun. It's growing slowly. I'm not, I'm not like rushing it to, to 100,000 podcasts, but, you know, just, just kind of dabbling and we'll see where that goes. Love that. Well, Michael, give us a little glimpse into your personal life. Where are you from, et cetera? I'm a, Pretty much a lifelong Seattle guy. I mean, I, I grew up, uh, I was born in California, but I, I always say wherever you go to high school is where you're from. And so <laughs> I'm back here in the Seattle area. You know, I spent a, I did a little side trip for graduate school to Arizona, which I still love, uh, love Arizona. But, you know, so I'm up here in, in Seattle, which is, I will venture to say the most beautiful place on earth, particularly in the springtime right now. Well, being from Maine, Michael, I love the four seasons that we have out there. Being down here in San Diego, there's a lot of pros, but there's just a lot of sameness as well. So I I do love traveling the world, and I was actually able to do that as an officer in the U.S. Army for eight years. I was actually stationed up at Fort Lewis, Washington, so not too far south of you in Seattle. Yeah, it's beautiful there. You know, I have to say, San Diego is pretty top-notch as well. I was just (laughs) down there, and I actually saw... 
your your uh, one of your friends down there, um, Michael Stelzner. And, and it seems like there's a little hotspot down there of great business podcasters. Yeah, you know, I just had uh, dinner last night with Pat Flynn and uh, oh, yeah. Amy Porterfield's always hopping around. And of course, Michael Stelzner, I got to see him a lot last week, which was Social Media Marketing World, where I actually presented twice on podcasting. I hosted a podcast lunch and Michael opened the entire Social Media Marketing World with an opening keynote where Michael, he focused basically on podcasting as awesome. the hottest thing of 2014. And I know that his conversation conversation with you on both his podcast. And I think uh, you were on his podcast as well. And he was on yours. Do you guys do a little swap there? I'm going to have him on mine. I got to invite him. And uh, so that'll happen. Uh, but I was on his. That was where I first heard about everything that you have going on. And I went back through your back catalogs of these interviews you've done with some unbelievable, who I previously thought untouchable guests and just found it amazing. So Entrepreneur on Fire Nation. If you're listening right now, check out that Next Market podcast. He brings on some incredible guests of all levels. I even think you got Mark Cuban, right? Yeah. I mean, all you have to do <laughs> is Google the words podcast project and you'll find I have the top result there. And I'm, I'm putting all the podcasts I did where I talked to people who are leaders in the podcast world, including guys like Adam Carolla, uh, Ira Glass. I'm a big public radio fan. Yeah. So when I talked to Ira Glass, that was like a huge thrill for me. And if, if you, and, and folks, in the business podcast world as well. So yeah, check that out. Very cool. Well, Michael, we always start Entrepreneur on Fire off with a success quote because we really want to get that motivational ball rolling for our listeners today. So take it away. I would say don't be afraid to fail in place and, and fail on someone else's diamond. And I know that sounds terrible, but uh, you know, I I've always, you know, there's this term aging in place, you know, don't be afraid if you're in a corporation or, or an existing business to experiment and learn things that ultimately contribute to an entrepreneurial life and, and do it on someone else's dime. You know, start projects, um, create a new division, create a new project. And that's something I've done a lot of in my career. And that, I think that ultimately helped me when I decided to go out on my own. No, that's perfect. And I love that phrase, intrapreneur, people that are, you know, just about to get out there and do things on their own. But first, you know, do it, you know, as a side hustle, as a side entrepreneur, or while they're still in that company as an intrapreneur. And Michael, this is just the perfect segue to our first real topic, our first real story, which is going to focus on you. And that is failure. You know, you say fail in place, you know, fail on someone else's dime. Share with Fire Nation one story where you did fail, when you did, you know, have some trials and tribulations, obstacles and challenges you had to overcome. But really take us down to that ground level, Michael. Tell us that story and the lessons you learned. Well, I will say that failing within the, with the scaffolding and, and infrastructure of an existing business around you, a corporation that really is owned by someone else, there's like, there's a safety net there. I would say, you know, if I look at my kind of the cold hard truth of it and the hardest part for me, it really hit home when I went out on my own. Um, in terms of, you know, there is no safety net there. Um, you know, I always thought, you know, build lots of connections, uh, through places like LinkedIn, just have thousands of those and, and build a big network. Um, but what I realized when you go out on your own, you know, you know, it's 95% of those folks who are, are connections are very, very kind of soft connections. I, I would say that. It's it's a few people in your life ultimately um, that are your true fans, and you don't. I, I don't think you find those who those are until you go out on your own and, and strike out on your business. And I think that I really realized that over the past year or two as I went out on my own. Um, it, it's 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 the most thrilling thing. It's the hardest thing you'll do, um, but I, I I feel like you find out 
um, that, you know, who your true fans are and who you're kind of, who will help you out in your business. You don't know that until you go out on your own. So Michael, I'm feeling some hesitation for you to really kind of open up and just share with us an actual failure that you've gone through, like really taking it down and, you know, sharing with us that moment in time. Can you do that with us? I make money selling expensive reports and it's different than the high volume, you know, ebook sales or or whatever that I think a lot of uh, folks who who go out and try to pay, do pay content do. And so when I went on my own, went out on my own, I thought, you know, it might be just like in the old world when I sold these expensive thousand dollar pieces of market intelligence, um, to customers. And what I found out is with, when you don't have that um, long history uh, of these companies I was at, even if you've built these relationships with the, some of the key clients who are in the places to buy these things, the people with the money, um, the budget, and, and those, that's the hardest thing I always felt. It's the hardest thing to p- find people with budget in the corporations, find those honeypots. Um, oftentimes, it's not just an easy sell. So you have to really work hard to convince people that you um, even – now that you're out on your own, now that you don't have this kind of infrastructure around you, it's going to be great content. It's worth uh, the price of admission um, without the same branding that you, that was backing you up backing you up before. Does that make sense? It makes sense. And what I would love for you to tell us an actual time that you did fail making that sale or finding that honeypot and the lessons you actually learned from that moment in time. So, you know, I put out a couple reports when I first started, went out on my own and and the sales weren't there. They just weren't there. Um, I put out, uh, a, you know, some reports on uh, digital publishing and then online video. And I, in turn, according to my own internal projections, I wasn't just hitting my numbers. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm the guy who supports my family. I'm the guy who makes the money and pays the bills. Uh, my, my wife does too. But at the time I went out, um, I was making you know, the majority of what paid the bills at our house. So that was, that was worrisome. Um, so, what I found out over time is um, it pays to kind of focus. And what I what I found found out for the first six months of you know going out on my own, I was a little bit too all over the map from a research perspective. And I think that the market rewards deep expertise, particularly in an area. And and so I think people identify with you, and when people identify with you, it has to be a very focused thing. So and that's one of the, the things I've learned. As I've gone on my own, it's nice to dabble and it was, it's fun to dabble because I, I have a, quite a breadth of air, things I'm interested in from a, a research perspective. But I think when you get down to brass tacks and try to find out what the market wants, you have to really focus and build an ex, a reputation in a certain area. You've used the word focus a number of times throughout this and it's personally one of my favorite words. I have an acronym that I pretty much live by. It's how I believe I was able to launch a seven day a week podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. And that's focus, follow one course until success. And I think with, you know, with fire nation, who's listening and, you know, you want to have that passion, you want to have those ideas, you really want to strive forward and have something that resonates with you. You know, we get caught up so often in this bright, shiny object syndrome where we start doing a little bit of a deep dive and kind of get down to brass tacks, as you put it, but then we get distracted and, and we don't ever really focus on that one activity that's going to make us known that we can dominate that niche that we can just get known for and then build out from. So you need to gain that foothold, Fire Nation. And, you know, Michael is saying over and over again, the power of focus, and I cannot agree more. And what I want to do now, Michael, is go to the other end of the spectrum. You know, you shared with us, you know, albeit kind of from an aerial perspective, some failures that you've experienced in life and, you know, some struggles and some lessons you've learned. But now let's really drill into a moment in your life when you had an 
aha moment, when you had a light bulb that went off. Like really take us there, Michael. We want to be there when you have this idea, this aha moment that you've since turned into success. Yeah, I'm actually going to go way back to the, you know early in my career um, when I got into the analyst business. Um, I was you know wet behind the ears and um, I, I started at a, a research company um, at a company that where I was kind of the one of the youngest guys and and I I just was really bored with the topics and 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 the coverage areas. You know, research for those of you who don't know technology research, you're kind of like a consultant. You're a little bit like a publisher, but you put this stuff out and companies like, you know, big companies like Microsoft buy it. And I was just really bored with the topics we were writing about. And so I just, I decided to, to experiment and, and say, I want to focus on the consumer market. I want to focus on this area that really isn't even there as a market yet. And it, and what I found is that ultimately was rewarded. So I created what was ultimately the most successful service at the time at, at this company I was at, Instat. Um, and, you know, we did a million dollars in the first year. And this was unheard of uh, for a new research service. And it was because it was something that no one was, no one was focusing on in the marketplace. So um, it, it was a very narrow area. Um, what we do generally is very narrow in terms of what we, how we um, are as an industry. And then I focus very narrowly on an area of the market that no one was covering. And that was like consumer networking in the home. I mean, this was before Wi-Fi was even invented. But what I found out was, Companies like Intel and, and Microsoft, they wanted to know where this market was going because they saw on you know in the future people were going to connect all these devices in the home. So back in the late '90s, early 2000s, I was focusing on this, and it really helped my career. I ended up getting a book deal. Um, I wrote a, a book for consumers, kind of a for dummies book, and and so it really it really paid off that early decision to focus on something that was part of my passion and that no, I felt that no one else was really covering well. See, Fire Nation, this theme keeps coming up in this interview, which I'm loving, which is that word focus. And then, of course, is that word niche. You know, Michael found this niche that was working. And then, you know, instead of trying to expand out right away, he just niched down. And then all of a sudden, he was dominating this niche to the point where he's being asked to write books about it. And he's becoming the only go-to resource for it. You know, I've said as often as I can, and every time I'm at a conference presenting, that 2014 is the year of the niche podcast. I really believe that those people to come out and really find their niche within that topic are going to have great success comparatively because that audience is going to be a powerful one, albeit smaller, but powerful. And you can apply that to any industry, any niche as well, not just podcasting, not just what Michael Wolf just shared. So Michael, thank you for sharing that specific story because you know that's something that we can really resonate with as listeners, like that moment in time that you had that idea, then execute it. And so boil it down for us. If we could just walk away with one experience, one lesson from that time in your life, what would it be? You know, these decisions to focus in on something that's around your passion can have long-lasting effects. I mean, here we are in 2014, and I love, John, that you're talking about niche podcasts because I just started a niche podcast in this area that I started looking at 15 years ago because, what you know what I found? This world of this, you know, the Jetsons, yeah. uh, these devices connecting in our house, that's been my career in terms of like what I talk and write about. And I started a new niche podcast called the smart home show. Oh, love it. And, and I'm getting everyone in that space coming to me saying, Oh man, I love this podcast because no one's talking about the smart home in a podcast format. So I focused because I go wide with my other podcasts, right? And, and 
and partly because it was my first big podcast. Right. And I love talking about lots of things, but I found, you know, that's great. But, you know, you got to go niche if you, if you want to make this symbiotic with your career. And so I did a new podcast called The Smart Home Show, super focused, and it's really resonating with my particular industry that I, I consult to, I write research about. And guess what, Fire Nation? Every single one of his listeners are Michael Wolf's avatar. Those people that are reaching out with him, they're choosing to download that show because it is a perfect fit for them. And that is a valuable audience. I'd rather have 100 of those listeners than 100,000 of a broad topics that are just kind of there, you know, for a couple of things, then they're out to the next comedy podcast or whatever that might be. So, Michael, you've done a lot of great things in life. I mean, you've had successes early on, successes in the end. You've had failures in between. You've made it through this entrepreneurial roller coaster. But if you could just drill it down to one moment in time, what would be your proudest entrepreneurial moment? I think the day I told my boss that I'm really leaving <laughs> uh, and going out on my own. And I mean, that's a huge deal. I mean, I, I'm, I feel like I'm an old guy. I mean, I'm in my forties, but I, you know, I realized you can be an entrepreneur in your forties. And I, you know, I, I did a lot of this, like I said, taking risks in place, um, doing it within the scaffolding of a company around me, but I didn't go out on my own to my forties, which I think statistically probably is a smaller percentage of the people who are entrepreneurs. Uh, and so I was living and breathing in the world of Silicon Valley. I worked for a Silicon Valley startup. You know, I, I'd go talk to the board, you know, we, we, talk about venture capital all the time, but, um, you know, that's great and all, but with the still, you're not doing it on your own to you do it on your own. And, and so I went out on my own. Uh, my wife was fully behind me. It's, it's a proud moment. It's also a scary moment. It's a terrifying moment, but that's a huge reason why you should be so proud of it. Cause you did follow through. You did take that step, that leap into the unknown. And we share pretty similar proud moments, Michael. You know, here I was in my late twenties. I was climbing the corporate ladder in corporate finance. You know, I was doing all the right things. I was working the long hours. I was getting all the promotions. And then all it took was one meeting where they actually cut 65% of our workforce in one day. And they looked at the other 35% of us and they said, guys, you're here because we chose you to be here. And if you don't feel the same way, you should walk out that door. And I looked within Michael and I said, you know what? I really don't feel like I want to be here. So I printed out my resignation letter that day. That's awesome. Put it onto my boss's desk who was <laughs> shocked because he had just fired 65% of the company. He thought we were going to be you know, singing his praises. So thankful. This was in 2008 during the economic meltdown that we still had jobs. And I walked out that door with nothing, no job, You know, definitely did have some savings. I had been frugal up to that point, but that was a huge moment for me. That was a defining moment. And you had the same situation, Michael. So I have to commend you for that. And I was doing it at a time where, you know, things were going well. I mean, I, um, it's, I think it's even scarier for you. You left because you, you know, this, it was the downturn. Yeah. Um, 2008 was a hugely scary time. <laughs> yeah. People have short memories, man, but that was a scary time to leave a job. Oh, it was terrifying. You know, now six years later, I'm 34 years old and, you know, I look back and I just wonder what would I like be doing right now if I had just hunkered down and kind of stayed in that, you know, position and continued to kind of you know, creep up that corporate ladder. And, you know, it's, to be honest with you, it's kind of a scary thought. And I sometimes have nightmares waking up where I did, in fact, decide to stay and I never left. You know, I woke up at 50 being like, wow, I'm still here. And Michael, what I really want to talk about now is the entrepreneurial journey, because you were experiencing it somewhat, you know, when you're working in Silicon Valley for other companies and startups, but now you've been on your own for a while. 
And man, you can, you know, close this deal, find that honeypot, and it's the highest of highs. But then the next day comes and something crashes and happens, and it's the lowest of lows. I mean, we are on this entrepreneurial roller coaster, Michael. How do you keep some semblance? And I know it's only some, that's all we can ask for, but how do you keep some semblance of a balance? That's the toughest part. I mean, I think that, you know, it's, there are these days where you're just like so high from a sale yeah. or, or a new, a new customer or client. And then, then you'll wake up a couple of days, like a week later feeling like, man, does anyone even care what I'm doing? <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I don't, I don't know if that ever goes away. I would imagine that like, you know, some of the, the guys who sold their companies for billions of dollars maybe had these days, maybe not. But, um, <laughs> I think just being grounded in, in family, um, keeping, um, keeping habits and consistency in your processes every day. Um, I'm an early riser. I get up at 5 a.m. every day, um, start just reading um, and just and just start wording, working on the day before anyone gets up. And and I just find those types of patterns and doing the same thing every day is, is, is helps. And then, like I said, just, just your family and, and friends. Get outside of work sometimes and just try to get off your mind. Michael, we all love our sleep. Fire Nation, I know you love hitting that snooze button. I'm an early riser too, Michael. You know, I learned early on as an officer in the U.S. Army for eight years that I could get more stuff done before 9 a.m. than the rest of the world was doing all day if I could just wake up and seize the day. So I'm a 5 a.m. alarm clock guy too. You know, by the time, you know, 9 a.m. hits, I can look down a laundry list of things that I've accomplished and I've taken over my day. I'm controlling it. I'm not reacting. You know, I've put myself in that driver's seat. And speaking of driver's seat, Michael, let's talk about today because you're in the driver's seat right now of a couple cool projects. And I want you to share with Fire Nation one of them that just really has you fired up right now. In 2009, I went to work for a startup and we, we wanted to, we saw that there's a big changing world around the analyst business and we, we helped create a product that was really disruptive. Um, I, I feel like the podcast world is really exciting right now. Um, and I hadn't really seen anyone trying to create like a, a centralized hub of a podcast that where people can discover them and find technology podcasts in specific. So I'm really, I'm really fired up about that. I've gotten a lot of people who've reached out to me and say, hey, can I put my technology podcast on there as well? And so the, the technology.fm uh, experiment that I'm trying is really exciting. Um, and that's kind of what I'm having a lot of fun with. And just more broadly, you know, where podcasting is going to go as a business, I find it just really, really weaves in well with my business um, because it, it's a platform. But it's also just, you know, seeing how it's going to evolve from a, a monetization standpoint is really interesting to me. As you, as you, as you, alluded to, I did this deep dive into the world of podcast monetization where I talked to all these guys, including some of your friends. And and so I'm really interested as I go on this journey myself, creating this particular site where it's going to go. I, I don't know. It's kind of an open experiment. It's a fascinating experiment, one that I'm going to be watching closely for all the obvious reasons. And I love, you know, when you, when Michael Stelzner had you on his show and he was talking about how, you know, he originally just started his podcast to give some promotion to his first conference back in 2013, Social Media Marketing World. He was just going to do a little promotion, have a podcast for a few weeks, you know, try to get some more listeners, some more ears attuned to it. And then the feedback he started getting was astounding. And just the people that were connecting with him for the first time, Michael Stelzner, the man, the myth, the legend who used to be behind the scenes, and now he was being pulled to the forefront. And he kind of realized that he liked it a little bit. So he kept podcasting well after uh, Social Media Marketing World 2013 and all throughout 2013 into 2014. And now he will be the first person to admit that this is the favorite thing that he does 
in his business. And this is also potentially the most productive thing that he does in his business for his business. And I mean, you talk about monetization and Fire Nation, listen to some of Michael Wolf's interviews that he's done when he talks to these guys who are actually monetizing. I mean, I know Fire Nation, like you're looking, you know, at our entrepreneur on fire income reports and seeing six figures coming in on a month to month basis. You know, we're showing you what we're doing, but there's other people out there doing different things that might resonate with you as well. So keep your eyes open, keep looking in these different directions. And Michael, before we hit the lightning rounds, let's thank our sponsors. Let's face it, the legal system is complicated, and frankly, there are better things you could be doing with your time, like working on building your audience and creating products and services that help them. Thankfully, LegalZoom is here for you. If you're thinking about starting a business, forming an LLC, getting a trademark, LegalZoom gets the job done right. You'll get the personal attention you need and they'll help you take care of all the details. Do you want peace of mind? I don't blame you. Starting a business the right way involves a lot of checks and balances. Good thing for us, LegalZoom's been helping small business owners for over 14 years and they've received an A-plus from the Better Business Bureau. For a $10 discount on services, enter FIRE in the referral box at checkout. That's LegalZoom.com, discount code FIRE. LegalZoom provides legal help through independent attorneys and self-help services, but it's not a law firm. Go to LegalZoom.com, enter discount code FIRE. What do the creators of the Nikola Tesla Museum and the film that won this year's Sundance Film Festival have in common? They've both been crowdfunded on Indiegogo. Indiegogo is the largest global crowdfunding platform, empowering people around the world to raise funds for any idea. Imagine bringing your passion to life, the people you could help, and the difference in the world you can make starting today. At Indiegogo, they let you decide how you want to raise funds. You can choose flexible funding and keep all the funds you raise even if you don't meet your goal, which is great for projects that will benefit from any amount. So whether your passion is creative, cause-related, or entrepreneurial, Indiegogo can help you raise the funds you need to bring your passion to life. Fund what matters to you. Visit fire.indiegogo.com and you'll get a 25% discount on fees. That's fire.indiegogo.com. We've now reached my favorite part of the show, the lightning rounds, where you get to share incredible resources and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? Let's do it, man. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? I think just having a family and kids and the lack of a uh, lack of a, a, a safety net going up on that big tightrope was really, really scary for me. But I, I, I moved towards it gradually. Each job I took, I felt like I was getting closer and closer. Um, and, and cause I, like you said, if you stay there and let the golden handcuffs get tighter around your wrist, um, that can really happen. So I just, I just worked slowly towards this thing, uh, learned how to fail at a startup and learned what a startup life is like. And then I started my own startup. Well, to your point earlier that you're one of the rare 40-year-olds to you know, have left and jumped into this entrepreneurial world is because most people have locked themselves down. They have mortgages and kids and they have all these things, which I know you had as well on a lot of levels, but they literally couldn't go one month without a paycheck. So how can you be an entrepreneur in that situation? You know, It's very difficult. So when you're in your 20s and you can just fail and fail again and do these things and you don't have all these responsibilities, it's possible but Fire Nation, do what you can when you can. And Michael, what's the best advice you've ever received? Uh, that's tough. I just remember a good friend of mine, uh, Corey, telling me like, you can literally screw up your entire 20s 
and still have a great business <laughs> career. And I, that's what I, I did. felt like I did. Yeah. I didn't feel like I necessarily did that, but it just, it was just such a relief to know that, man, um, all these bad decisions we all make in the twenties and, you know, whether we're going to parties too much or whatever, um, you can still have a great career. So those, those folks out there who are, um, you know, trying to figure out, and I feel like it's too late, even in your thirties and like me in my forties, it's not, um, I don't think it's ever too late. No, it's so true. I mean, I can remember when I was 26 years old, I just had finished my active duty requirement as an officer in the U.S. Army. So I was out and I was a civilian for the first time in four years. And I remember my father looked at me and he's like, you know, John, I'm actually a little disappointed because here you are with a good savings because you've been an officer. You have no debt because they paid for college. You, know, you don't have a wife and kids or a house. So you don't have much responsibility. He's like, I think that you're so comfortable right now with what you've created, this little kind of, this small little pocket of comfortability that you're never going to take that big risk you're going to need to take to succeed. And, you know, he said that really resonated with me and I thought he was right. I'm like, I don't want to squander, you know, the savings I've been able to squirrel away. But, you know, fortunately for me, I did. And, you know, I went and went to law school, quit after a semester, tried corporate finance, you know, gave my resignation letter. I tried residential commercial real estate, flamed out of both of those areas. So those are my 20s. My end of my 20s was nothing but me quitting over yeah. and over again. <laughs> Just, I'm a quitter. I'm a quitter, Michael. <laughs> you quit your way to success, though, man. <laughs> Michael, share one of your personal habits above and beyond getting up at 5 a.m. that you believe contributes to your success. I've always felt like I wanted to be a, uh, someone who writes really well, so I write consistently. You know, I was a finance major. I was a guy who like, uh, went to school basically to learn numbers. But I always loved reading, so I just I just eventually taught myself to write. And look, now I'm writing for Forbes. Um, I, I, I wrote for a tech blog, one of the biggest tech blogs in the world. I got a job there as a vice president and started a division for them. And I just made my life career largely writing. So that was just – but that was about being consistent and just writing consistently and learning how to write and finding people who write well and like emulating them over time. Michael, do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with you can share with our listeners? Have you heard of Reportive? It's a it's a plugin actually. Love at Gmail. Oh my gosh. I feel like that's like a great hack that like adds to my productivity in a huge way. Um it's viewable within Gmail. You can see people's LinkedIn credentials. And actually, um, a little known secret, if you don't know someone's email, you could you could guess at it. And if you have if you have report of it, it'll tell you whether or not you're right. Their picture will pop right up. Exactly. <laughs> well, Fire Nation, you can find the links to this resource and everything that we're chatting about today at eofire.com slash Michael Wolf. And Michael, if you could recommend just one book for our listeners, what would it be? You know what? I, I bet a lot of people recommend business books. I'm gonna actually recommend because I went on this podcast deep dive. You know, if you haven't read Mark Maron's book, Attempting Normal. Um, I had a chance to talk to Mark Marin in uh, 2011. I, he actually is the guy who got me back into podcasting because wow. his his style, and he's a, you know we've seen this growth of the comedy podcast, and he's sure. certainly on that line. But just the, his conversation style getting so deep, I think even business podcasters um, can learn a lot from him. So, but the book talks a lot about his resurgence of his career, how the podcasts are central to it, and if you're a fan of him and his TV show, I think it's an interesting read. Huge. Well, Fire Nation, I know that you love audio. That's why you're listening. So if you haven't already, you can get an amazing audio book just like this one for free at eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. And Michael, this next question's the last of the lightning round, but it's a doozy. 
Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelters taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? Well, I might just follow my baseball team around then. I'd just follow the Mariners. <laughs> I love that. I don't know. Maybe that seems boring. And if I wish I had better answers for it, but I love baseball and I love going to new places and just eating at restaurants and writing about it. There's no better answers here, Michael, because it's your answer. And, you know, that's what people need to realize is that sometimes, you know, it's not all about, you know, creating that next big thing or that big business, but it's about enjoying life. And that's what Michael would do if all of his food and shelter is taken care of. If, you know, he just has to hang. I mean, that's what it's all about. And Michael, I have so enjoyed listening to your journey and I'm just honored to be, you know, in the same podcasting sphere as you because I love your passion towards and what you provide to our community. So thank you for that. Give Fire Nation one parting piece of guidance. Share the best way that we can find you and then we'll say goodbye. Well, I just say stay with it. Don't get too down. Be consistent. And no matter what your age you are, just keep going. You could find me um, on Twitter, just Michael Wolf, uh, Wolf spelled like the animal, no E, uh, or just go to my website, uh, nextmarket.co. And uh, yeah, reach out to me. Twitter's the best way and we'll have a conversation. Love it. Well, Michael, Fire Nation is well aware. They can find the links to everything that we've chatted about at eofire.com. Fire Nation, don't forget to check out technology.fm. And if you're on the eofire.com website, just type Michael in the search bar because his show notes page will pop right up. And Michael, thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise and experience. Fire Nation salutes you and we'll catch you on the flip side. It's been fun. Fire Nation, are you looking for an all-in-one platform that will not only help you build your website, but also help you increase your revenue? With Squarespace, every website comes with an online store to make it easy to feature your best products and services. Squarespace makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com, use offer code FIRE. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite. 